I'm Bill Corbett, professional speaker and author of the best-selling book, From the Soapbox to the Stage, How to Use Your Passion to Start a Speaking Business. Successful speakers that get invited back by the meeting planners make it a point to know their material before they utter their first word on the stage. You have to because you have no idea what may occur at that event that could affect your presentation. First of all, the client might reduce or extend your time in front of the audience, or equipment malfunctions could occur. Knowing your material will really help you react to whatever happens. In this episode, you're going to learn from a great speaker and a friend of mine, Reverend Clyde Talley. Reverend Talley is an award-winning speaker, an ordained minister, and a 20-year member of Toastmasters International. Because there is so much to learn from hearing the stories of how other speakers got their start, I've asked him to tell us how he got started in speaking with passion, along with offering tips for new speakers. He's a big believer in encouraging speakers to know their material. Clyde Talley holds a master's degree in management and is also an ordained minister. In addition to being a pastor with his own church, Reverend Talley holds the highest speaking designation awarded by Toastmasters International, the DTM, or Distinguished Toastmaster, and is a past Toastmasters District Governor. Thanks for coming out, Clyde. Thank you, Bill. It's great to uh, have you here. You have a lot of experience as a speaker. We go back, way back. I really wanted you to come out because... When I started speaking, you really inspired me, and I wrote about that in my book. Why do you speak? I like to inspire people, and that's the thing that turns me on. When you see the light bulb turn on, and they get it, and they're now inspired, and they're enthusiastic, and they're excited about what they want to talk about, that's what excites me. That's, that's why I do it. And you're right, because there's nothing. I don't think there's anything that comes quite close to when you're speaking and you can see the emotion in their face and they're listening to you. And if, especially if you can get them to tears or laughter or better yet, when they come up to you afterwards right. and, they, and they, want, they want more. They exactly. want more of you and what you've left with them. Now tell us a little bit about your speaking career. Well, as you said, I've been speaking for over 25 years. I had my own speaking series, Inspired Excellence, where I talk about motivation, self-esteem, having a passion about what you do, and also career coaching. So I did that for a long time. I'm still a Seven Habits facilitator for the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And I'm also a financial coach where I teach people workshops in financial counseling, budgeting, getting out of debt, and also staying out of debt. So I still do those type things as well. Tell us about your first speaking experience. First speaking experience was interesting because in Toastmasters, your very first speech, you know, when you talk about yourself, I said, okay, what am I going to say about myself? <laughs> and, and do they really want to listen to me? So you're sitting there and you're waiting your turn and you're trying to think about, okay, so Oh, I want to make sure I cover this, 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 and your thing. All these things are going through your mind. <laughs> when I finally got up there, what was interesting was once I, once I got going and I started talking, it started to flow. And I said, you know, I like this. This is nice. And then the warm reception and the comfortable atmosphere just encouraged me to want to keep going. What about your first paid gig? My first paid gig was actually out of Toastmasters. I did a workshop at one of their conferences. People started handing me their cars saying, oh, I would love for you to come see us and I'd like for you to come to my company and do the same thing. The very first paid speaking gig was at State Farm. And they had me do a workshop which talked about 
motivation and, and motivating the employees, making sure that they stay motivated, and if they're demotivated, how to get them motivated. Our first opportunity to speak together, our first paid job, that wasn't your first one. No, you State Farm was my first one. So I just have to share with the viewers. Clyde and I go back. I think our first job, our first paid job was uh, for, what, 50 bucks. We had to split yep. $50. Yep. And it was a company that hired us to come out. I actually secured the deal. I wrote about it in my book. And I went to find you because mm -hmm. I'm going, I'm not going out there alone. <laughs> and so I, was, I agreed to split the 50 bucks with uh -huh. you. Right, and right. We, we drove to Boston, mm -hmm. and we did a, a motivational, inspirational talk for a retail chain, and they had all their managers on an offsite, and that was my first experience, mm -hmm. a paid job. You've been speaking a long time, so what do you do now with your speaking? What I do now, I still do the seven habits of highly effective people, and I still do the financial counseling. I'm still doing that, and I also still mentor. Believe it or not, I still mentor people who want to speak, who want to get out there and say, look, I, I want to do what you do. How did you get started? And can you help me? So that's a side thing of mine where I always have a passion to see other people exceed and excel. So I still do that. And, of course, preaching because I'm a preacher. Right. So I do that every week. Man. <laughs> I don't speak that often. Boy, I wish I did. What a great opportunity. Mm -hmm. Plus, you have an audience who's familiar with you. Mm -hmm. You're familiar with them, and you can inspire them even more. Right? I have to imagine, uh, being a pastor, that you put so much effort in your spirit and energy into developing what you're going to say, and you must put a lot of time into that. But to get up there and inspire your, your audience just must be terrific, right? It is. It is. It's still that excitement of seeing the light bulbs turn on, that they get it and they understand it. And, you know, you still have some people who are still trying to grasp the concept of, of what you're saying. You still have to use the elements of good speaking skills, even when you preach, because you have to have, you have, to have a clear message. You have to make sure that you have a passion about what you're talking about and what you talk about in your book, Soapbox to the Stage. And also, you got to make sure that you know your material. You've been speaking for 25 years. What are you going to do when you grow up? <laughs> uh, what, are you, what are you going to do with your speaking when you grow up? What, do you, what are your plans with your speaking profession? Well, you know, I'm a lifelong learner. So I never get to the point where I can say I've achieved. I've made it. That's great. Because that's when you stop learning. Right. right. So I always look at myself as ever learning, ever increasing, always looking to get better. You know, and this, there's a, a saying of mine, you're used to this because, you know, we go back away. <laughs> good, better, best. Never let it rest till good becomes better and better becomes the best. Awesome. Great. Now, you, you're working on a book, right? Mm -hmm. What Tell us about the book you're working on. Well, the book that I'm working on talks about the family. And it talks about what is the structure of the family to make sure that you balance work and you balance family. Because some people have a lot of conflict between, okay, I'm working to pay the bills, to take care of the family, but I don't want to neglect my family. But I don't want to spend too much time with my family where I'm not being able to work and make the money to pay the bills. And it's like, well, how do you balance the two? And how do you come into a balance where it's, it's a nice synchronized way of, of dealing with the work, the family, but it's synchronized to the point where everything is, is balanced, where work gets enough time, family gets enough time, especially if you're married and you have children, you definitely got to spend time with your family, but you also got to get your work done. So what I've come up with is what I call a, a balanced approach to dealing with work and family. Now, I don't have a title for the book yet, but that's the concept. 
And I have all the material. I have used it in my counseling sessions, so I know it works. It's worked for everybody that I've implemented this to, and they've tried it out. And so that's what I'm looking to do. Do you have a, a quick story of the best thing that ever happened to you in speaking or the worst thing that ever happened to you in speaking? Do you ever have um, an audience from hell, or do you have anything go wrong, anything like that you want to share? Okay, I'll, I'll give you a little taste of both. Okay. Worst experience is when you're doing a comedic speech, and nobody's laughing. <laughs> and it's like you still got time to kill. That's a long speech. Yeah. <laughs> the best speech is when somebody comes to you afterward and said, you know what? What you said changed my life. I won't be the same. Thank you. And that's the best speech that you could ever give. Even if you don't reach anybody but that one, that one can make a difference. When you speak to audiences, you're going to have people who are falling asleep. They're going to be rolling their eyes, but you're going to have people who are really into it. And what I've learned is to build up your encouraging energy by focus on those who want to be there, who enjoy being there, who are getting the message, right. and are going to do something with it. And that's, right. that's really important. I tell speakers, you know, you got people rolling their eyes or giving you faces. It's just it's something. It's not you. It, something's right. up with them. Exactly. Now, skip over them, but but you got to move around your whole audience as much mm -hmm. as possible and look for all those those people that uh, you're changing their lives. One of the tips that you gave me was knowing your material. So tell tell us a little bit more about that. Well, we talked earlier about the icebreaker speech. I call it the ice speech, but it's really the icebreaker speech in Toastmasters, where you talk about yourself and who knows you better than yourself. Some people feel that well, I know me, so I can just get up there and just talk about me. However, sometimes when you get up there, even though in your mind you know what you want to say, when you look out, you get that blank and say, what was I going to say? <laughs> if you've practiced your material, then you know your material. And I always tell this to all speakers, at least have three points that, that you want to talk about. And one thing that we've learned in Toastmasters is that tell them what you want to tell them, tell them, then tell them what you told them. So first of all, you want to say, well, what is it that you're up there talking about? So you tell them, this is what I'm going to talk about. Even if it's, I'm going to talk about me and a vacation that I had and why it was the best vacation ever. Oh, so now we're prepared. We know what you're going to tell us. So tell us the story. That's the tell us. And then tell us what you told us. So at the end, you wrap it all up by saying, so now you have an idea when I went to Florida, why that was the very best vacation that I had. And that's all through preparation, preparing, and knowing what you want to talk about. You prepare constantly. Every week you have to prepare a new that's sermon. Right. Pre preparation is important, not only from the speaking side, but the business side. There's so much prep work that we have to do as professional speakers. What suggestions do you have for people about the preparation process? You know, like, you know, on Friday, throughout the week, I'm, I'm sure that you're probably, I'm imagining, you're reading material, you see something on TV and go, that's what i got to talk about. Because as a writer, I write a syndicated column every week. So I, my work is similar, except I'm not delivering it on, for, for an hour, multiple right. times, but I have to write a column and I'll see something during the week or I'll see somebody and go, that's an interesting point. Preparation tips. How would you guide people who are professional speakers, who want to be professional speakers, in preparing uh, what they're going to talk about? Any suggestions? Well, definitely. First of all, you want to make sure that you have a subject that you have a passion about. And you talk about that in your book, Soapbox to the Stage. If you don't have the passion, then you're not going to be too enthused about delivering the message. So although there's good material out there, 
if you have the good material in front of you, but you're not excited about it, it doesn't turn you on, you're just presenting the material, people can tell. But when you get material that you can just sink your teeth into and you're excited about it, if nobody else is excited about the material, you're excited about the material, that is conveyed to your audience. And they start getting enthused. And they want to hear what you have to say. So in selecting your material, you also need to understand that you can't tell at all. And like what my pastor told me, don't make people happy twice. Happy you got up and happy you sat down <laughs> because you talk too long. That's good. So even yeah. if you can have the best material, you can't talk about it all. So you want to bring out the highlights. What are some of the, the things that really turned you on when you read about the subject? And although there's a whole lot you can say, sometimes you have confined times that you can speak. Sometimes people say, well, can you talk about that for about 10 minutes? Then next thing you know, look. I know I told you 10, but you really got five. <laughs> so how do you condense yeah, a whole lot situation. of information into a condensed version? Well, you can do that by making sure that you have a comfortable amount of information to deliver within the time frame that they give you. And that's very important. Whatever you do, stay within the time frame. So if you have to cut it, you can say, you know, there were five points I was going to talk about. I'll talk about three. How can you do that? Because you know your material. All right, so then I, you're a pastor. So I have to ask you this question. What about the pastors, and you can't answer for everybody, but how about the pastors who know that they normally deliver a 45-minute uh, sermon or an hour, an hour and a half? They have the time frame. Mm -hmm. As soon as they go over, because they're so filled with passion for their topic, <laughs> and now people are thinking about the relatives are coming over, uh -huh. i got to get the turkey dinner in the oven or the... Uh, the Patriots are coming on, uh -huh. right? And now people look at their watches. Right, right, it's, right. But they, I, I think they, they forget. They, they don't get it. They've got to get out of their head and get back into the room, right? Because mm -hmm. they kind of lose track. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, the good training that I had in Toastmasters is that you practice to give a speech within a certain set time. That's what I do. And on the average, I, I look to have all of my sermons to always end around the same time. Now, people say, well, you can't control how the Spirit moves and how God's moving you, and there may be more you want to say. <laughs> well, that's true. One thing that you learn is that you always read your audience. Some people vote with their actions because somebody can have an open Bible, and then when they think that you've gone too long, the signal is when they do. <laughs> You're not done, yeah. but they've closed theirs, so that's a hint. Or they're looking around, and they're like, like you said, mm, you know you're starting to lose your audience. Even if you're a pastor, if you're a preacher, if you're a speaker, watch your audience. Know your audience. Read your audience, because there are telltale signs. People will always remember a good speech if it's not long, but if you're, if you're long, even if it was great information, People just say, you know, yeah, he was all right, but he talked too long. <laughs> you know, I had a situation one time I was speaking in front of a group and my watch died. I'm starting to see signs from the audience that they're looking at their watches, they're yawning. They weren't listening to me. And I'm going, I got plenty of time. What's going on here? And then somebody, a lady in the front row, she went, and I said, so excuse me, just a minute. I have uh, 10 after. She says, no, it's uh, 45 minutes past that. And I went, oh, my goodness. And I felt so bad. But again, we, these are things that will come up. So ever since then, I always make sure I have a backup clock somewhere. Right. And if I don't have a backup clock, I usually find someone in the audience to be my backup. Look, if I'm this close, let me know. Right. And if I travel with family or I have an assistant, I make sure that, that they do that. But you're so right. 
you can have the greatest message in the world, but that's nice. Mm -hmm. If your audience isn't listening anymore, forget it. And the other thing that I like to offer along with that is what you said before, if they give you 10 minutes and you're you're promised 10 minutes on a topic and now it's five, you got to go with the change Mm -hmm. because they don't care. Uh, your audience doesn't care, especially if you're at a conference and they're on a schedule. Absolutely. Right? And now they're spo- you're cutting into their break. That's right. You're cutting into when they're supposed to use the restroom, go make their phone calls, check their email, and that's a huge violation. That is a dead giveaway not to get invited back. That's right. If you violate people's schedules, right? Have you exactly. seen that? Exactly. You're absolutely right. And, and the thing is this. It's not personal. But like you said, people, they schedule their breaks, they schedule activities, especially if you're at a conference. So you just make the adjustment. And, and that goes back to knowing your material. Because if you know your material, you know exactly what you can cut out, what are the most important things that you want to make sure they walk out of there with. And if you don't know your material, you're trying to fish through your material, trying to figure out, well, what do I say? And well, what do I bring oh, yeah. out? And what do I choose? And, and how do I do this? Nobody cares. Right. Nobody cares. The classic that happens to me on a, on a regular basis is I'm, I'm hired to be the keynote speaker. And I sat down on it for two weeks. I went over and I crafted this, you know, uh, one hour keynote or sometimes it's like 45 minutes keynote. I'm kicking off this event and they have a speaker who gets up there to do their housekeeping. Before you know it, they're chewing into my time, and right. now my keynote's been reduced from 45 to 20 minutes. They're not going to change the fee they're going to pay me, <laughs> but now I've got to take a 45-minute speech and right. break it down to 20 minutes. And, and you're right, and if you don't know your material, you're going to go, panic. Oh, my right. gosh, where do I start in here? That's right. And unfortunately, too many speakers, they don't get that. They try to take more time, or they'll say something like, well, I don't really have a whole lot of time, but let me get... Nobody cares about that either. That's right. Don't tell me, you know, I call it showing your underwear. <laughs> Don't show me your underwear. Just perform. That's what you're here for, right? That's right. Absolutely right. It's not fair, but that's the way things happen. Enthusiasm. That plays a role in it, right? It works hand in hand with passion. you got to be enthused about your material because if it doesn't excite you, how is it going to excite anybody out there? And also passion. Passion takes enthusiasm one step beyond in that if you have a passion about what you're talking about then people will hear your sincerity they will hear that he means what he says he believes what he says he wants me to get it it's this is very important to him even if it's not important to me i can tell it's important to him (laughs) that's why it's very important and and one thing i would like to say and this is not a plug and it's not because you're my friend I would encourage folk to get Soapbox to the stage. The reason why is because it is a consolidated book of information that they can read from start to finish to really get to that point from doing free gigs to paid gigs, but also how do I get my contacts established and how do I get myself established as a professional speaker? Excellent. Well, thank you for that pitch, Clyde. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming out, and I appreciate you doing that, and good luck to you Glad on your your speaking. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Get Paid to Speak podcast with me, Bill Corbett. I've got more great episodes coming up, so be sure to hit the subscribe or the follow button. And if you're interested in checking out my book, From the Soapbox to the Stage, check out the website startaspeakingbusiness.com. That's startaspeakingbusiness.com. You'll get to see my new book trailer video. This recording is the property of Bill Corbett and the Get Paid to Speak podcast, copyright 2022, all rights reserved.